part of the Boundless Audio Podcast Network. Hello, welcome to another episode of the Artist Pivot Podcast. I am your host, Ayana Major Bay, and I happen to be an actor, voiceover artist, mentor, and world traveler. This is a bi-weekly show featuring conversations about pivots and life lessons from the perspective of artists, those who work in and around the arts, and arts educators. Everyone possesses the ability to pivot. You just have to be reminded sometimes, and that is what I am here to do. To stay up to date and in the know about merchandise, exclusive content, and how to support the show, please subscribe to the newsletter at ayanabay.com slash podcast. That's A-Y-A-N-A-B-E-Y dot com slash podcast. And there is a link in the show notes. We'll get to this week's episode after a word from our sponsors. I have found that therapy is a tool to use to improve your life in one of the healthiest ways. For those who are working on their mental health and well-being, on a journey of facing your fears, or trying therapy for the first time, our show sponsor BetterHelp is here to help you. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. Join the 2 million plus people who have taken charge of their mental health with an experienced BetterHelp therapist. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash Artist Pivot. That's BetterHelp.com slash Artist Pivot. All right, y'all. So I am so excited to say that joining me today is Miss Shanae Stiletto. And she is a former two-time world champion acrobatic gymnast, USA Gymnastics Hall of Fame member, survivor of USA Gymnastics, and a world-class circus hand balancer inducted into the World Acrobatic Hall of Fame, who has been for nearly two decades performing with elite entertainment companies worldwide, including Cirque du Soleil. Shanae's career highlights have included becoming the first ever African-American woman to perform a lead character and acrobatic role in a Cirque du Soleil production, in which she performed Varikay as the promised character. Shanae Stiletto is also a circus trainer, educator, circus advocate for the American Circus Alliance, and dual circus podcast host for the pro series Think Like an Acro produced by CircusTalk.com, and her own podcast, Live Like an Acrobat, where she explores circuspreneurship and the competitive high-performance athletic arenas. Y'all, <laughs> welcome! Shanae, hello there! Hello, thank you so much for having me, Ayana. I'm so like grateful and honored to be here with you today. You are so very welcome. Thank you very much. And I am grateful and honored for you to be here today. So I have a question for you, my first one. If I texted you, Shanae, how are you doing? How's your day going? But you could only respond in emojis only. What would you text me? <laughs> oh, that's almost too easy for someone like me. Okay, I would... Text you the the red stiletto emoji. Yes. <laughs> the um, dancer in the red dress flamingo style emoji. Okay. The okay. little flame emoji. <laughs> yes. And the heart emoji. Mm -hmm. And the meditating emoji. That would okay. be, that is my day. That is my okay. mood. Yes. I love that. That's a whole <laughs> mood. That's an entire <laughs> mood. <laughs> That like carries me from like morning to afternoon tonight. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm here for that. That's an entire mood. Thank you for that imaginary text. <laughs> I love it. Thank you so much. That was Thank a good you. one. That, that was, was a good one. You're welcome. That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> and you're also wearing red. Yeah. On a red, red uh, lipstick. It's, that's your thing. I have recognized that unless I have a red lipstick on camera somewhat, or even when I'm talking, mm -hmm. even if I'm not on camera, yeah. something like, it's just not me. <laughs> Understood. I understand just, that. Like, I don't show up properly. Like, I feel like my lips disappear. Like, something about me kind of disappears. So, mm -hmm. I've tried, like, the nude look. Mm -hmm. Just doesn't work out. So, red mm -hmm. lip it is at all times. It's fire. 
Yes. Yes, ma'am. And you, you, yes, know that about yourself. It's a red lip all the time, period. Know thyself. Know thyself. For me, it's mascara. Like, I don't necessarily have a lip color, but if I don't have mascara on, I'm like, who is that? Like, I don't even have to have on any other makeup. None. But I will always leave the house with mascara. And if I don't, it's like, what? I, I'm sorry, I'm not myself. I'm not. I, I need to go. I need to start again. Start the day again. <laughs> <laughs> you are gorgeous, by the way. You are gorgeous. Your skin Thank is you. gorgeous. Everything about you is gorgeous. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. I received that. Thank you. <laughs> Great teeth. Wonderful smile. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> Same with you, sis. I'm over here. Yes, come on. You are gorgeous. Okay. Never had yes. braces. Neither have I. they don't know how to handle it i'm telling you people are they just are like never had braces i'm like no not even invisalign not even Mm -mm. later in life no Mm -mm. me neither (laughs) and i also refuse to close my gap i don't know if y'all can see it i don't see any gap it's great (laughs) thanks i i mean i see it because i i grew up with it but every time every year without fail i'm in my 30s y'all and my dentist literally goes you don't want to close that gap no, I don't. No. I don't want to close the gap. <laughs> no, I mean, I think, yeah, I think it's, I think you have a perfectly gorgeous smile. And yeah, and, and with the gap, without the gap, I mean. <laughs> right, right. With or without. Thank you very much. Yes. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a mini gap. Like it's not. It's, it's not. I don't see it. <laughs> I guess it's there. But my dentist does. My dentist sees it every time. And I'm like, what are you, what? No, I don't want to close the gap. I don't. I don't. They offer me Invisalign almost every single time I go. So there you go. Right. right. And I have no gap. So no. there you go. Yeah. You're right. So, right. I don't Y'all know what just, it is. But. I don't know what it is either. It's fine. Now, listen, we're not going to try to find out because it's not. It's fine. <laughs> it's <all laughs> good. Keep doing what we've been doing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, y'all, before we get too far down this teeth rabbit hole, uh, (laughs) Shanae, I want to ask you uh, about your career, about your many pivots as a circuspreneur. I love that. I love that. Thank you. And I guess start at the beginning. I guess that's a good place to start. Like, was the circus in your life growing up or was it something you discovered? And then how were you like, oh, you know what? Y'all, I'm going to be an acrobat. Mm-hmm, I'm <laughs> <it>. <laughs> so tell me how that happened. <laughs> yeah, how did that happen? Because it's so random and weird. And even like to this day, I just think of like all the different like events in my life that had to happen that were very imperfect and like just for better or worse, just like would not have like led me like down this path. Like I didn't come from a a traditional background. I didn't come from like a family circus type of thing. I started out as a little baby acrobatic gymnast. And I I did that because my grandmother and my aunt uh, put me in dance and like in ballet and tap and jazz when I was a little girl. And I saw acrobatic gymnastics in my dance studio. And one of my coaches discovered me. He thought I was way younger than I was because I was very, very tiny for my age. I still am. Uh, I'm still waiting for that growth spur. It has not happened. But he thought that I was like five. I mean, that's around like the typical age, like four, three, you know, five years old is when you start gymnastics. But I was eight. And he was like, well, she's a little old, but I think she would be great. I think she has maybe a lot of natural ability. So I, I started from there and I'm from San Jose, California. My coach had immigrated from Bulgaria. So he, he okay. immigrated, he grew up in the Soviet Union. And so it was just all very random and bizarre. And at that time, of course, I wasn't thinking in terms of like the circus, but I did get into a very niche version of regular gymnastics. Most times when people think of gymnastics, they think about artistic gymnastics, which is the balance beam, which is Simone Biles, which is Dominique Dawes, you know, 
which is that whole kind of vibe and field. I went mm-hmm. into a very obscure version in America okay. of gymnastics, which to people kind of looks like cheerleading in a way. I even hate to kind of put them in the same vein because we work very, very hard of making ourselves like our own sport. But acrobatic mm-hmm. gymnastics is like the partnering that you would see in a Cirque du Soleil production. So, so many of the acrobats that you see in Cirque du Soleil actually came from my sport, but I didn't know that. Okay. I didn't know that growing up. Um, you know, it's a non-Olympic sport so that's also why it's like within USA Gymnastics but like even just like up until I think the past like few years like now we're on ESPN like we're on Sports Center. you see our competitions you know acrobatic mm-hmm. gymnastics is kind of everywhere um, and I will say it a million times in this podcast just because I am always trying to hype my sport because it's so <laughs> gorgeous and so beautiful it's dynamic you have partners throwing up in the air you balance on people you don't use any apparatuses you don't mm-hmm. use the beam you don't use the uneven bars um, mm-hmm. you use the person um, and they just kind of catapult even to the air. So I got really lucky. I had a big journey within competition. I competed Mm -hmm. on the world level. Um, I was national champion multiple times. Um, I went to world games. I went to world championships uh, several times. I was very, very fortunate to become the first ever American world champion, um, Mm -hmm. which you know, again, at that time was, you know, just very strange, you know, coming from San Jose, California, there was a very big kind of acrobatic gymnastics world um, and environment within California. So I did get lucky on that end. Um, You know, those several years ago, it was kind of, um, it was very uh, like uh, dispersed, like throughout America, but it was very Mm -hmm. heavy on the West Coast. So there was a really, really big circuit there. So I you know, had a a pretty long career. I competed for about a decade. And by way of doing that, I discovered that that is the transition that one does make from competitive space to the circus space. And I had great coaches. I started, uh, Cirque du Soleil started scouting me when I was a minor because years ago, um, you could work for Cirque du Soleil as a minor, as a kid mm, and you okay. could go get a contract and go without your parents and like, just be working at like, you oh. know, as soon as you had a work permit. And even before then, you know, like depending on what country you were, you know, you could be there at like 12. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> Have a <whole> career. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, they would take you. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, you know, it was, it was very special. But my coaches, um, I transitioned and I, I, I ended up having uh, Russian coaches at that time. And mm-hmm. they really wanted me to compete. They didn't want me to go straight away into the performance world, into the circus world. They wanted me oh. to achieve as much as I could as a competitor. They were okay. like, you know what? If you don't go as far, you're always going to feel like you missed out on something. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the first time in my life where I was almost out of pivot, right? Because I could have pivoted way earlier in my life. Um, and I was already being told that like my days were numbered, which is interesting when you kind of age out of something so young in your life, it creates something very different in you. First off, you get very used to, you get very used to defending what you do Uh and you've really got to love it because people are trying to talk you out of doing what you love to do all the time. I always had that. You can't go to college with acrobatic gymnastics. You could go in a different way. So why don't you change and switch to a different sport? Why don't you change and switch to a different kind of passion so that you can use your gymnastics to go to college? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I just, I didn't want that. I was like, this is my home. This is what I love. And then I also understood too, I could have a career beyond Mm -hmm beyond this. And I could even have a career beyond, beyond competing because my friends, you know, um, many of them like did not go into the circus space after going to the Olympics. Um, after we did, you know, like the Olympic tour, for example, I was very fortunate. I was made an honorary Olympian and I was Mm -hmm. put on the Olympic tours. Um, that was the first that USA gymnastics had ever done that. So I had like this journey that could have been where I did do like NCAA, my, Mm -hmm. my friends did. Um, but because that wasn't a route for me, the circus was actually the most pronounced route to be able to maintain my skill in right. all of that crazy back bending work <laughs> mm-hmm. that I had invested like my entire life and my family's entire life into as well to see that kind of cut off, you know, at the age of like 18, 19, 20, 21, mm-hmm. you know, would really have been a crime. And I'm grateful that I had coaches that had sent 
their athletes for a very long time into Cirque du Soleil or into the circus world. Okay. So they really assisted me in that pivot, in the pivot from high-level competitor, which is so incredibly difficult mm-hmm. and was so challenging, especially as an American, because they like underestimated us, they devalued us, they mm-hmm. didn't expect a lot from us. And then when we did get competitive, they didn't want to give us our due. Um, at that time, it's very political, um, mm-hmm. just like it is now. And, you know, going from being in that space to then now being like a servicepreneur or like a business owner in an entity mm-hmm. and into a world that is very unchartered because the circus is like right. to this day. I mean, it's better than it used to be, but you know, you go from this environment that's highly regimented and mm-hmm. even my coach didn't want me for example to go straight into Cirque du Soleil uh-huh. he wanted me to diversify and to work for a lot of different companies he mm-hmm. didn't want me to feel like I was just a number or mm-hmm. just um a part of a production because mm-hmm. I had been so visible and so seen in my acrobatic competitive career mm-hmm. he did not want me to feel invisible all of a sudden he said mm-hmm. you know that would that will maybe um <laughs> like like hurt you in, on a certain level that we may never uh-huh. be able to rectify and that was from his own experience of you know carrying other acrobats through that mm-hmm. journey and okay. learning from that so you know for some people the pinnacle was you go straight from there and like i said i did have friends that um you know uh also too could not go and do ncaa because they were from different levels uh different uh uh, gymnastics disciplines like Mm -hmm. um trampoline or like tumbling or um like rhythmic gymnastics as well so they did go straight into Cirque du Soleil um and our journeys our journeys were very different um they were very very different yes Yeah. Oh, I understand that. So then my question for you, um, when you did make that pivot to go, okay, actually, uh, I think I'm going to perform now instead of being a competitor, I'm going to use my skills and be now of uh, a performer. Was that, I don't want to say difficult because you, you already had your mindset, you know, you already were like, no, this is, this is my path. But did it, did it take some getting used to to not be in that competitive mindset and to also like, yes, you're pivoting your avenue, but also like my mindset. Oh, I don't I'm not I'm not in competition with anybody right now. Like I'm doing this because I love it and I want to do it. Totally. I mean, it was it was very difficult for several reasons. The first mm-hmm. reason was because I didn't want to necessarily stop competing. And okay. because our sport was not funded on the same level as Olympic sports, mm-hmm. it really came down to some difficult decisions. It's very expensive to stay in a sport like this. And okay. because I was also competing with a partner that was much older than me, which is very normal and typical within acrobatic gymnastics, there mm-hmm. were some decisions that needed to be made. But for, you know, I could have probably competed for at least another four or five years and probably mm-hmm. won some more world championships. So it was, it was a challenge to leave at that at that moment. I did leave at 18, um, which is, again, still fairly young. And mm-hmm. I was in, you know, kind of like the best shape of my life at that time. And, um, and I was lucky enough to be in that because not everyone gets to that cycle and mm-hmm. is in the best shape of their life. Some people are very broken by that point and have had several surgeries, have mm-hmm. had a lot of chronic injuries. Um, and that's another reason why sometimes they they uh, retire and go into the performance space because it's mm-hmm. not as difficult. Another thing as well, it was interesting. I mean, I love to compete as well. Yeah. I loved it. For some yeah. people, it's like overwhelming for them. They don't like it. It's, it's, you know, they're not natural competitors. And another mm-hmm. thing as well, I loved competing against myself. I never, ever really felt like I was competing against others. And I know sometimes people say that, but I really, really felt that. I think it maybe came down to my coaches, but I think it also too just came down to like who I was at the time and how I saw myself and what I felt like. I wasn't, I I wasn't always like, thinking about others. I think maybe it's because I'm from like a group sport and it wasn't like singular. And so I was always in partnership with people. So you were always used to someone else helping you to get ahead and to do better. And that definitely gave me, I think, a very different foundation going Mm -hmm. from the competitive space into like the performance arena. But 
I definitely had a crisis. I mean, there was a crisis of like identity within that of like, how do we do this? Because you have to figure out who you are. You have to uh-huh. identify yourself as an artist. Um, what kind of shows you want to do? What kind of performances do you want to do? How do you create them? Who's going to negotiate for you? Um, because mm-hmm. before you have your coach negotiating everything for you and you have people doing everything for you and telling mm-hmm. you what to do and how to do it all the time and how it's going to be done. And Mm -hmm. there's a system, you know, if I do this, it's going to be like this. And if I, you know, like from point A to point B, like, you know, for, you know, there is, there is, there is definitely a path there, even Mm -hmm. if it is sometimes dicey um, (laughs) because Mm -hmm. it's so challenging. But with circus, it just was like an open, an open book of like, Mm -hmm. wow, I get to really explore all of these different facets of myself, I really had to start connecting to myself emotionally. I would say mm-hmm. that that was a part that was great that my coaches got me to, you know, very strong, you know, again, growing up with Eastern Europeans my entire life, you know, there's mm-hmm. a part of yourself that you're able to compartmentalize. It's how you're able to be such a high level competitor. Um, mm-hmm. But they always said too, that they didn't want to fully take away my Americanness, which was very, very sweet. Um, yeah. They were like, you know, you have this kind of other passion within you that we don't have because we didn't grow up with that. You know, there were like your whole world is open at this point yeah. your yeah. whole world is open you can do anything you want with this skill and with this talent and first you were choosing to do this you know this mm-hmm. isn't something you were forced into they were like and mm-hmm. now you're choosing to go into into the circus it's again not something you have to do you can do other things i mean like my parents thought i was going to go to stanford and be a, a neurosurgeon and they still think that to this day oh. <laughs> <laughs> wait a neurosurgeon okay yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> you know, they're still holding like, out hope, huh? <laughs> they're, still, they're like one day. They're like, they're like, you can always go back. <laughs> You're like, I mean, yes, I could, I, I could, but I don't think that's gonna be a choice I'm gonna make. But y'all, if y'all want to hold on to that, if that helps you sleep at night, by all means. I don't want anybody in my hands in that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and at this mm-hmm. point. They are, um, yeah, they've been through too much. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> I've got gymnastic hands and gymnastic hands. They will stay. <laughs> Noted. Noted. <laughs> so becoming like this, you know, and, and again, you know, um, you know, this was, you know, almost two decades ago when mm-hmm. it wasn't the popular thing to just like go on AGT, right? It wasn't just like mm, you go yeah. like work for surf, you go on AGT, you go and make your like career on Instagram as mm-hmm. a circus performer. And all of a sudden, all these people know you and you're just like everywhere. Like this was not, it was not like that 20 years ago when I started off like trying to like make a name. And, you know, I was lucky because I had a name coming from sport um, mm-hmm. and that already, you know, opened a lot of doors, but it doesn't open all of them. And there's many different people and things involved. There's many types of circus environments that you're going into. You can mm-hmm. start out in LA, you can go into film and TV, which I started off in doing that too. You can try to go into mm-hmm. stunts and do that as well. You can, mm-hmm. you know, you can try and, use circus family credibility, you know, Mm. which is dicey when you do not have that. You can go and do like the European European circuit. You can go straight into like, you know, the the Asian circuit. Um, Mm -hmm. You can, you know, go into like the cruise ship circuit and maybe get stuck there. Like there's just so many different worlds. Um, Mm -hmm. You can go into the modern circus, which was really springing up. You can go into Ringling. You can, you know, so you really have to figure out like where and kind of you like what feels good for you. And that takes time, especially because you're young. And I think even if you're not young, it takes time. And, um, you know, I, I say it's not for the faint of heart. It's, uh, especially back then. Um, I know that doesn't even maybe for some people seem like that long ago. Um, Mm -hmm. and because I've been around now for a while, people, um, assume that I'm much younger than I am. So, Uh They think that I maybe haven't been doing circus for very long, which is, which is great because that shows that I've really taken care of myself and mm-hmm. been adaptable and been pivoting. But the level of pivoting that I had to do at that point in time 
to like fend for myself and, you know, start negotiating contracts, negotiating fees. I remember at the very beginning, there was someone that I was working with that was, um, had been in the game for a long time. They had like a circus event company and I, we proposed a rate to them, you know, a certain Mm -hmm. fee that we wanted to get paid. And they were like, you will never get paid that amount of money to do circus. Like you will, (laughs) it will never, (laughs) it will never happen. Like he was just so like, you know, blase about it. And he was like, it just, it's just not possible. And the a million times over how many times I have gotten that rate and how like far surpassing that, like, you know, I got like within my career, but Mm -hmm. I never forgot that. And I've never forgotten certain, like, just like solid things that people said to me at that time, um, which were just so, you know, like there was, they lacked vision. They had no vision. And, um, and, and who, who would have thought, right, that the environment would have come, become so mainstream. Mm-hmm. But I mean, you know, me and my partner at the time that we, that I worked with, we definitely had the wherewithal and, yeah. you know, we were quite a bit younger than, than him, but we weren't that much younger than the person that said that. And so I think that just goes to show again, like what this environment can be like. Um, mm-hmm. circus can be very old school and very, you know, very forward thinking at the exact same time. So, you know, like combining those things and then also to people um, suggesting that you can only be a certain type of circus performer from mm-hmm. your background is also a thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it took a while because coming from the sport background, you know, there was a lot of stigma around that up until recently. Mm-hmm. Um, people, you know, like really like put a mark on you um, and put like a whole like box around what you were going to be capable of, what kind mm-hmm. of style you were going to do, what you were going to look like, how you were going to express yourself. And also too, like what you knew, they were like, right. Oh, well, you don't have a cousin <laughs> in the game. You know, uh-huh. you don't have an auntie. You don't have an uncle. You don't mm-hmm. have, you know, a sixth generation vouching for you. So there's only so much that you can know. And by way of you not knowing so much, this is how we're going to manipulate you. This is how we're going to stall you. This is how we're going to talk you out of your own good. This is how we're going to get way more out of you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, then we should be able to, this is how we're going to put you in dangerous situations that you don't belong mm-hmm. in because we think that you don't know any better. So it was, mm-hmm. it was several, several things. Yeah. Yeah. No, I understand that. And that's people putting you in a box, like literally putting you in a box and their own limiting beliefs. Like that person who told you, you're never going to make this much. It's like, why, why are you telling me that I, what? Please keep your limiting belief to yourself. Please keep, keep it to yourself. Like, huh? What are you talking about? But it's that, like people putting their boxes, their limitations, their limiting beliefs and projecting it on you. And at least through your, you know, at that point when you were 18 and pivoted and then throughout your career, you're like, but I don't understand why you have this limited belief, but I'm going to keep going. Like, I'm going to just keep advocating for myself and keep going in that direction. So with that, I have a question about, I know from that time you pivoted up until today, you are a different performer. And so what... Is it that you found, not that you found, let me, I, let me, let me rephrase it. The performer you were when you were 18 and you were like, okay, I have so many options open to me. Which one should I choose to now the person you, the performer you are now? Like what has kind of been the arc of that journey? Because it's right. You had to find out who you were. And so you might've accepted things at 18 that you wouldn't accept now. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the pandemic has not made that easy, though. I will say that oh, to you all um, listening yeah. in. I mean, <laughs> you know, like eviscerating um, our industry and then, mm-hmm. you know, us being in positions or people wanting to put us back in boxes because mm-hmm. they're like, you know, you just need opportunity now, right? Like you're right. just going to take and need anything that you can mm-hmm. possibly get your hands on, which has been a whole struggle and a pivot in and of itself. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really... You know, what I understood even way back then, which I think is really great, is that I know myself (laughs) better than others. And Uh you have to be really, really, really strong in that, like taking the advice of how others want to um, promote you. Uh, You know, I remember 
at the beginning when I was in LA and uh, we signed up with a lot of um, dance companies and mm -hmm. they were taking on specialty acts like ours, like circus mm -hmm. performers. And um, that's just how it was back then. It was before there were like circus industry friendly agencies that my friends mm -hmm. eventually had to create in LA. So, you know, we would go to like all the catacalls, like for, you know, like Christina, Christina Aguilera's tour or for like uh -huh. Eminem or for like Beyonce, like we would go to like the dance auditions and then mm -hmm. they would like say like, now this is your part to do like special skill. And so we would like humiliate ourselves trying to do mm -hmm. like keeping up with like JLo's dancers and yeah. then have our like five minutes to shine and do our circus audition. And it was so painful. And I mean, you wouldn't think that you would have agents that are like, we just don't know how to market you guys as circus performers. But like that's mm -hmm. the feedback that we got way back then when we were trying to do like events and we were trying to do specialty performances or when they wanted to get us inside of a movie. And mm -hmm. we would just say like, Oh God, like if we were able to speak for ourselves, like how much better we would probably be able to do this. But it was yeah. very, very challenging. So we would put like, limits and boundaries on that. We would say, guess what? No more catacalls. If you want to see us, it's a one-on-one -on -one audition. We have to have a special moment and mm -hmm. we won't be doing any of the dance because we're not dancers. We have uh -huh. dancing capabilities and we have right. all of that background, but we right. are not right. hip hop dancers, music video dancers who do this on the daily who are going to go up against like the dancers from Usher's music video. Like that's insane. Right. That's not my, you're like, that's not my ministry. That's it. That ain't it. That's not what I do. That's not, us. That's not what we do. So, you know, we lost a lot of time and we spent a lot of time exhaustively um, mm -hmm. wasting time, losing out on jobs, um, being misrepresented. Also too, mm -hmm. meeting a lot of cool people. You know, I met a lot of amazing talented people through then, but it was a waste of time. And so, you know, you have to know when to cycle out of something or when people mm -hmm. just don't understand or they don't get you. So mm -hmm. that changed a lot of what we did. And mm -hmm. then eventually there were like circus agents, like I said, that came in and then they started creating like circus specific um, auditions that, you know, mm -hmm. when I was doing them at the beginning, there were like five of us to choose from. I had to okay. pivot very heavily when now it's about 50 to a hundred circus performers coming or submitting to an audition versus there being five of us to choose from. Wow. So that's how much it changed just over okay. these last, like, you know, several few decades, several few decades <laughs> that I've been, <laughs> been doing it then. Yeah. And the arc of the yeah. things that you will do, that you're willing to do, or the mm -hmm. type of, again, the type of auditions that people are going to ask you to do, which mm -hmm. I will not do. Um, mm -hmm. I will do them in a certain kind of way. Um, you give a certain t t kind of time, like even if someone is asking me to come in person, for example, but mm -hmm. I'm mostly booked off tape. I'm mostly booked off of my reel. Um, yeah. You know, those are things that you question. Those are things that, you know, you say, you know, you have to be willing to lose out or mm -hmm. to take that risk or mm -hmm. to hold your own. But, mm -hmm. you know, cycling through those different performances, those different contracts, am I willing to do, you know, a million performances per day outside over the water at this point in my career? No, I'm not. Um, was I willing to do that, you know, a few decades ago? Yes, I was, you know, uh -huh. like, am I willing to take that certain amount of money? Um, am I willing to wear that type of costume, especially if you guys don't have my skin tone matched? which is number one, especially if you don't have something that fits me, which is number two. Am I willing to go out and humiliate myself um, on stage for spaces and for things that, you know, can accommodate me? Am I willing to mm -hmm. go out with my hair looking a certain way now? No, I'm not. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to ask, you know, that I get to do for me um, because it, or if there's a professional there, which we're still waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're still, we're still waiting on. So, mm -hmm. you know, am I, am I willing to, you know, do contracts, um, in certain, you know, in certain countries or in certain cities? Um, mm -hmm. it comes down to things of that nature. Um, and again, projecting myself in a medium where someone says, I don't want that from you. I want you to perform in this way, in this type of emotional way, in this type of character and mm -hmm. saying no, um, to those things and saying no to those requests. And I will say this as well. When I started getting feedback at that time in my life, when it was my idea that I went through with fully, I got uh -huh. the best response when it was something that I compromised on for people uh -huh. that wanted to hire me that I was really not liking. 
immediately people would say, you know, we didn't really like that without me even saying anything or telling them. And Mm. that was always, that was such a big lesson for me um, at that time and getting that kind of validation and mirroring that when I was young. And it's really carried me through these years as well. Whenever I feel it intuitively, if like that just does not feel right, or that's not how I make made it, or that's not how I designed it, or mm-hmm. that's not how I intended it to show up. Or like, yes, it seems like a small change, but that small change can derail and unravel everything you're putting out there. And when everything that you're doing is what you need to do to get the next job, the importance of owning every aspect of what should go right. I mean, it's, it's, it's the longevity of your career. It's make or breaking the next several years for you that you cannot get back. It's the difference between having six months off to rolling right into the next space because people really liked what you did just mm-hmm. recently and it's very timely and it's very of the moment. It doesn't matter if you can show them something that you think that they'll like better even sometimes that, you know, was maybe from like a year or two ago. They want to see what you did right now. And that makes them feel a certain way about you. Um, And it makes you feel a certain way when you're selling something that you don't believe in either. And (laughs) I think that that is something very important to remember. And you're not always in different spaces that you're going to have full agency or control over that. But that's also a reason why I took a lot more independent contracts than I did um, more standard contracts where many of those things were not in my hands. So mm, they, were, they mm-hmm. would not be in my hands. So, you know, it is a thing of thinking, okay, I now have to hustle to make sure that I have another year. I'm also up against someone that I know that just signed two years and they know exactly where they're going to be for the next two years. And I, and in maybe some ways a little bit too extreme was willing to forgo that um, that certainty of mm-hmm. a contract, um, mm-hmm. for the sake of my individuality, my independent creativity, my independent thinking, my independent business know-how, because your hands can get very tied, um, if you give over too much, mm-hmm. but you also mm-hmm. have a lot of responsibility if you're taking on everything. Fair. That's fair. <laughs> but here's the thing though, saying no means saying yes to something else. Saying no to what you don't want means saying yes to something else and saying yes to yourself. But, you know, you've had to learn that. Even with me as an actress, it's like, I don't regret any of the contracts that I took these past, like, 15 years. But now I'm a different person and I'm not going to accept, I want to say foolishness, but foolish, some of the (laughs) foolishness. That I, I'm not going to accept that now. And so it's like mm-hmm. the same for you. You're like, no, I don't want to do that. I'm not willing to do that. And it's standing strong in your no and advocating for yourself, but also unlearning something that we learned of like, well, it's an opportunity, so I have to. No, you actually don't. Because if it's not an opportunity you want, then that's mm-hmm. not for you. Mm-mm. That's not for you. So it's unlearning that in any performance space of like, oh, but it's a job. It's an opportunity. It's the, okay, but if you don't, if it don't like, like it don't, it don't sit right in your soul. If you're like, mm, I don't know about this, then that's not for you. But exactly. we're not taught that. No, we're never taught that. And I teach that a lot in my Think Like an Acrobat series. <laughs> yeah. I get so fed up and have been so fed up for so many years because yeah. I get those same, I get those same, uh, you know, statements and that same feedback um, and that same level of frustration. Mm-hmm. And I hear those same conversations happening within the circus industry and mm-hmm. in performing arts space as well. And especially if you're in a niche environment, man. I mean, mm-hmm. the stress and the strain that they put on us for like, oh, but you love it so much. So that means that you should just like have no rights. Like, where did that come through? I'm like, so a lawyer loves being a lawyer, but I don't see them giving up any rights to anything. But like, right. because it's my passion, I'm just supposed to be grateful and take like the least of everything. I, I really don't know how that makes sense to any sane person, but I hear it from people from all ages, mm-hmm. from all facets in the circus, especially mm-hmm. people that want to shame you and make you feel like you shouldn't, you know, be able to speak on anything because then mm-hmm. all of a sudden it becomes like this, um, first world problem or something like that. And I'm like, wait a second, people in all different types of professions that are outside of the arts have a say so in Mm -hmm. what they do, how they do it. And 
It has nothing to do with the love of what you're doing. I think because you love it so much, you have every right to say no. Like love says no a lot. You don't say yes to everything to like a child. Just like out of love, you say no. You put boundaries. And so why are we supposed to be boundaryless? You know, within like, the business yes. aspect of who we do. I mean, like, why? I mean, I saw to people that feel like they don't even deserve to make money from doing circus, from creating things on their own. I mean, it's it's literally to me insane. And mm-hmm. I, 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 I will not waver nor falter in that. I said, you know what? That all sounds good and well until you want to buy a house, right? Or until something really egregious happens to you, heaven forbid, within a very um, highly dangerous environment mm-hmm. and something very not great happens to you and people aren't there for you, mm-hmm. um, you know, and where's the love then? <laughs> because right. I have seen love evaporate in all of these very loved up environments very, very quickly when things go wrong. Quick, fast and in a hurry. It's gone. <laughs> For myself and for others, you know, very, very fast. There is no more love left Mm -hmm. when you have to get lawyers involved, when you have to have good insurance, when Mm -hmm. you have to have um, assets to fall back on. Um, Mm -hmm. And even when you need just like a creative idea because something people aren't latching on to something that you're doing or they're not responding well to you, you are now on your own. You are always on your own. And I think that that's a really good reminder as well. You have a community, you have an industry, you have an environment, but it's still you. Mm -hmm. (laughs) you, No one's going to do it for you. Um, So you better had educated yourself on your own. And Mm -hmm. this is the other part of pivoting and being in spaces that are taken care of for you and Mm -hmm. pivoting in spaces where you have to take care of those things for yourself. Because I've been around, you know, many artists and and circus performers and circus entrepreneurs, circuspreneurs that, you know, when they get out of those environments, they don't know how to take care of themselves. They don't know Mm -hmm. how to have those conversations because they have never, ever had them. And being green in those spaces and the overwhelmment that comes with that, it almost makes them, again, want to pivot into a completely different career. Mm -hmm. Um, And that to me is very sad. Um, And that to me is um, such a shame, especially if you've built up such, um, you know, artistic intelligence, artistic, you know, capabilities. And now you don't even feel like you understand how to utilize them to function outside of a space that was, you know, taking care of for you. So I always tell people, I'm always looking for a job. I'm always looking for a pivot. I've been that way since the beginning and I will always be that way. I'm always looking for a job. I don't matter. It doesn't matter what kind of job I have. I'm Mm -hmm. always, always, always looking for an opportunity. And that's really carried me through a lot over the years. I have yeah. to say. Yeah. yeah. Understood. Understood. And I uh, I think I'm safe to assume that that also carried you through the pandemic as well. Because I know <laughs> from what from what I, the information you've given me that it's like, right, the pandemic was a lot. But also you have two podcasts that came out of it as well. Yeah. And so, so, and so that was the amazingness. That was the pivot that I was supposed to have done years prior that mm. I just did not do. I did there not do. Is. There I is. just pulled those things out of a vault. They were already created. They mm-hmm. already existed. I had mm-hmm. already shot several of those ideas too. What? They were just there. And I didn't even realize how easy it was to do them. I mm-hmm. got very heady. I, I overthought things. I even went into different platforms that like made like no sense uh-huh. to do the things. And I, I overcomplicated everything. Mm-hmm. And because there was nothing else that I could actually do because like I couldn't go anywhere, you know, like everything got canceled overnight, like everybody else. It uh-huh. was like, Oh, what's the simplest version of doing this and not caring? Oh, this, <laughs> like just this speaking into a microphone, you know, like mm-hmm. having all of like the fascinating people that I've met over the years and having these conversations and then now not being nervous nor scared at all to speak on issues that I think are very conducive and important within the circus environment and with the within the competitive space mm-hmm. um, that I've always wanted to talk about that are taboo or things that people, you know, are too afraid to have a conversation about on camera. Mm-hmm. So like this this version of myself that people have been telling me to do for years. They've been Mm. telling me to speak, to have a podcast, to, you know, be a commentator, like Uh all of those things to be, you know, like a personality. And I was like, Oh, you know, I don't really, 
I don't really know. Like, I think you guys think that I'm like a certain way, but I don't really think that other people will think that, you know, uh-huh. I just had this whole thing and, you know, I was like, we're silent performers and that's what we do. And, you know, mm-hmm. like if I open my mouth too much, people are just going to want me to, to be quiet. You know, I just had mm-hmm. all of these different, like, you know, um, thoughts and ideas about mm-hmm. where I should be and how I should be doing it and what I shouldn't be doing. And as soon as this pandemic rolled through, I mean, you know, again, by the grace of the universe, it really just like stripped all of that away. Um, mm-hmm. and it gave me the future of what I'm doing now and then what I would like to do. And it's really spiraled into so many different avenues. And of course, also things that I just, again, really wanted to do that I did not like that I was not being invited to do. And that mm. turned into a different conversation, especially being a circuspreneur, um, especially being a woman, especially mm. being a woman of color in the circus space. Um, and having this knowledge, like most of the podcasters, you know, within the circus spaces are, are mostly white males mm-hmm. and they've always been, and everyone always says that too, like, but why? Like we've all been in this business for so many years. Why aren't we speaking on an environment that we know so well? Like, why are uh-huh. there gatekeepers that we keep on like just allowing to do that, but we can do something about it. And right. I was very happy to be in this space finally. I mean, it was stressful. I would like to say would that wasn't the best of times also to, to get into so many things because it was very stressful. I was trying to keep my life going. Yeah. I was trying to keep my career going. Um, you know, but again, it was keeping my career going in a different way. And mm-hmm. um, because I was open and because I was malleable um, and because I was willing and, um, you know, it really, really saved um, this next incarnation and this next pivot of what I am doing and how I'm doing it and actually redefining a space that I want to stay in because there's been many, many times where I've not wanted to stay in the circus industry. Mm-hmm. Um, I've not wanted to stay in the circus space. Um, the competitive space, I've been doing a lot of advocacy in and around that too for many, many years. So I'm like dealing yeah. with that, but yeah. I needed to deal with what I felt needed to be introduced into the circus space. And it's one of those things where you're like, well, if it's not me, then who? <laughs> <laughs> that part, that part. If it's not me, then who? But also, like, you were kind of like, well, uh, this little imposter syndrome that I have, you can move out of the way. Because if people were telling you for years to be a commentator, be a personality, have a podcast, speak about what you know because it's your lived experience, and then the pandemic was like, oh, yeah, now I'm going to make you do it. I'm going to make you, I feel that same, even with me, I feel like, first of all, we're blessed to have survived the pandemic. I'm like, thank you, Lord. That's the first thing. Thank you for surviving. And then second, it's like, pandemic was like, what you finna do now? (laughs) Like, you gotta, you gotta do something. Are you gonna do it now? Like, are you gonna do it? That's really what it was. (laughs) I was like, I have nothing to lose. I have nothing to lose. I've already lost it all. And you know, you know, Ayana, I, I also do survived. Well, I, I survived not, you know, physically and emotionally, but in some ways too, 2008 and 2009 were horrible for okay. the entertainment industry. And they were horrible for the circus industry. It was obviously not, you know, the, you know, the, oh God, you know, what we're going through still now with the pandemic, but mm-hmm. people lost everything and the circus world really slowed down i mean Mm -hmm. and you know there are those that are in the industry now that did not live through that but there were so many Mm -hmm. people that retired out of the circus Mm -hmm. industry that shouldn't have that had so many more years in them and so as soon as all this happened i was like that's not gonna be me Mm-hmm. <laughs> that is not going to be me because everyone started retiring. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. I have people that, you know, a lot of colleagues that um, babied out, which is wonderful. Um, but more people just cycled out because they were like, I can no longer, I can no longer do this. And mm-hmm. there is zero, there was zero support also too, like, you know, like within government for, mm-hmm. for all of us artists as well. And so that was a big thing for me that I've been talking and speaking on for a really long time too. But then mm-hmm. again, because of pandemic, you know, got a part of, you know, a nonprofit, we organized and, you know, we mobilized, we did all those things that no one did in 08 and 09. Um, yeah. The strategy was different. No one came to each other's aid. You know, I had 
I had companies reaching out to me at that time, very well to do companies, you know, even Cirque du Soleil saying, we're going to go silent for, for a while. And, you know, even Cirque du Soleil that went bankrupt during the pandemic, mm-hmm. those that don't remember, Cirque du Soleil went bankrupt and went under in 08 and in 09 too. Mm-hmm. They laid off like 90% of their workforce at that time too. And they were a big money maker for me as an independent contractor yeah. and as an independent circus performer. And they, they said, you know, we'll probably go quiet for like six or seven months and then we'll be back. And they literally did that, but it, it just, it, it destroyed so many artists, um, that could not come back from that. So they did that again this next year around. And I was like, wow, the deja vu. It was like 10 years later. I'm 10 years better. I would say though, I did not build myself up as much online as I could have within Mm -hmm. that amount of time, which I should have because I had friends that had online stores and had Mm -hmm. online businesses. And when the pandemic hit, that was their everything. Some people already had like circus apps for teaching, which okay. is something that I didn't necessarily have. Um, you know, so there were even things even around then. And some of those people had started those during 08 and 09 and they had sustained mm-hmm. them for this last decade. Yeah. And so when the pandemic hit again, they were pre- even more prepared because mm-hmm. of what they had created. So I love talking about my mistakes. I always tell people it's the things yeah. that you made yeah. mistakes that you still see for yourself that you're like, okay, I was better, but I could have been even better with, mm-hmm. you know, my pivot could have not have been such a hard, hard right. Um, mm-hmm. right <laughs> with trying right. to do virtual performances and, you know, you know, teaching excessively online hours mm-hmm. and hours, uh, you know, at a time. Um, and then obviously, you know, falling back on whatever else I had, you know, financially. And then mm-hmm. also just spending time of creating those things, you know, putting together, you know, um, business plans. And, you know, so, I mean, those were, those are valuable uses of my time, which yeah. I, which I used and I'm really, really grateful for. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, now going three years into where we are now, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, I, I was able to pull from a past experience. Yes. Um, in a way that I get, I am very grateful for. It wasn't, it wasn't, it was still very imperfect. I'm not saying that that solved all of my problems or all of my issues. And, you know, even again, the thoughts of like, do I want to stay in this industry? Um, mm-hmm. because again, maybe that's your pivot. Maybe that's your pivot out completely into, mm-hmm. but you're taking those skills with you, which I also love to teach as well. How are you going to apply your servicepreneurship into that? other environment because you've yeah. built up so much of being this renegade in an environment that is still so unregulated and so kind of like niche and unusual. Mm-hmm. How are you going to take that and use that? Because you're not starting from zero, um, mm-hmm. which I kind of, you know, like my heart drops sometimes when I hear any kind of artist or entrepreneur in, the, in any kind of like artistic field feeling like they are. I'm like, you know, yeah. you've made it this far with this kind of work, with this kind of, you know, um, people being a certain way to you. We've had all sorts of things said to us, you know, the amount of situations I've had to like get myself out of, you know, I've had mm-hmm. to get myself out of countries. <laughs> Ooh, girl. <laughs> Where it wasn't going well. The contract mm-hmm. was not being honored. You know, mm-hmm. something was very off or very sketchy or we were not being treated well. And it's like, I, not just have to get myself out of this. I have to get myself out of this with a job. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Yes. Understood. Right. Yeah. But you've survived all of that. And it's like, in the end, it's, yes, we all make mistakes. And you're like, oh, I could have done that better. But also, like, you live and you learn. Like, literally, mm-hmm. that you live and you learn. And you go, okay, you know what? Great. I do have, I learned that from last time. And maybe I could have done this better. But going forward, maybe I can figure out, okay, let me do this little situation better or do this better. Like, you know, it is, it's all a learning experience and also trying to enjoy the journey. I think that I'm, I could say that's where I'm at like now to be like, no, I got, you got to enjoy the journey. Even when you make a mistake and go, oh, that wasn't, mm, okay, it's fine. (laughs) It's fine. It's fine. Keep going. (laughs) Keep going. Keep going. It'll all be fine. It'll all be fine. (laughs) And that's where the mental health comes in, you know, and that's where you go for me too. And I'm, I'm glad that I learned that throughout my, you know, advocacy as a survivor of USA Gymnastics. Mm -hmm. And 
putting that within this environment too, within circus of being like, mm-hmm. okay, you're not just supposed to be suffering all the time. You're not supposed to be anxious all the time. Like I, no matter like what the situation is and I don't care how amazing that experience is. Are you happy? Mm-hmm. Like what's your baseline? Is your baseline joy? Because I've gotten that feedback a lot too over the years. It's like, oh, but you still smile. You still laugh. Like you're still, because I meet some jaded folks out there and, mm-hmm. you know, and I've also too learned through their experiences of seeing people very, 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 um, very, uh, yeah, very, very unhappy with where mm-hmm. they're at. And I don't care what situation or what opportunity you're getting. Like mm-hmm. it has to be an experience that feeds your soul in, mm-hmm. in a pleasant way, um, mm-hmm. as much as possible. And what are you doing to take care of yourself? Because mm-hmm. it's been a process of elimination for myself, you know, figuring out what makes me tick, what makes me feel good. What am I unwilling to do? What are those habits I'm, I'm willing to give up that are actually mm-hmm. going to make me excited? And what are those mm-hmm. things that are really just out of your hands that you learn at a certain amount of time too? Like those are things that I just like really cannot control, but I just for myself personally, I don't know how people are making it if they don't have some type of practice or self-care practice or spiritual mm-hmm. practice or um, some type of something that centers them or that they can fall back on, they can believe in. Because, mm-hmm. you know, being in these environments that are so highly challenging and unique and destabilizing. I use a lot of different tools to get through. I am a meditator. I use yoga. I do lectures. I have mentors, you know, like I do everything imaginable and I have, I've gone to every single workshop you can imagine. (laughs) Like, you know, I have literally, you know, I created a village and community for myself as well. That is really profound. And also to outside of the space that I inhabit as a circuspreneur, which I have found has kept me much happier and healthier Mm -hmm. when I'm relating to folks and to friends and to family that are not all consumed in a space that I'm all consumed by because Mm -hmm. I think that is very unhealthy. If you live and breathe an environment and in space where there is nothing about you that's outside of that and you overly identify with who you are through what you do, I find that very, very, very damaging. <laughs> Say that again for the people in the back. Say because I listen, okay? <laughs> Say it again because, no, it's rough. And I, I would speak personally, I used to do that. I did. Luckily, in Damn. my 20s, I kind of let it go. But then the pandemic was really like, but no, who are you? Your industry is gone. Sorry, yes, you're an actress, but you're not right now. So like, wh- who are you? And it's mm-hmm. right, like, I just took so many nuggets from that. Like, is your baseline joy? Like, I love that. That might might be the title of this episode because that got me, (laughs) right? Like, is your baseline joy? Because it has like, and then doing things and talking to people, communicating, conversing with people outside of what you do. It's so important. Just be a human. (laughs) Yes, yes, just be a human. human. Don't, don't be a circus human. I hear that a lot. You know, like I, you know, like I live in Vegas and I live in LA and people even say like, oh, but you're a circus human. And I'm like, no, I'm not. No, I'm not. I'm a human being first. Mm -hmm. Circus is a hat that I put on and that I, that I try on and that I love, love Mm -hmm. to put on. But I put on many different hats, many different things as a human being. And that's a way that I express myself. It's a facet, you know, and that's, that's cool. Just like I'm not just like only a spiritual person, you know, it's like all of those. Mm-hmm. Like in and out of who you are daily, you are just who you are. And, yeah. you yeah. know, so I think having the freedom and giving yourself the space and freedom to not put yourself mm-hmm. in a box again and, you know, just like rewriting your own story. Because again, if you do that, your pivots are going to seem very small. They're mm-hmm. not going to seem like you have room to grow or room to evolve. And that can hurt you mentally of thinking, but this is who I am. And within this, this is all that I think that I can do. Uh Like, where are you going to go with that? Because life may not even be making that a way for you because life has stopped me multiple times. I mean, multiple times. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I just had, had something kind of like, you know, scary even the other day where I got a little, you know, injured when I was, when I was, when I was working and, Instantly, you know, and it brought me back. I got very present 
And I was like, that's as fast as it happens. And then all of a sudden your life would be different. You know, I had a situation like two years ago, health wise, where like literally overnight, it was like my entire life could be different right now. Like Mm -hmm. I now don't even know like my trajectory. I don't know if I'm supposed to be doing any of those things because my life is all of a sudden giving me a completely different set of cards. And Mm -hmm. I am grateful that I'm like malleable enough Mm -hmm. for that. But Mm -hmm. I work on that. And I think, again, we're all like a work in progress. You have to work on staying flexible. You have to work on staying pivotable. You have to work on on staying outside of the spheres of what anyone wants to tell you that you should be or how you need to speak about yourself, think about yourself, um, you know, like feel about yourself. Um, any of those things. Mm-hmm. I just think it's very healthy to constantly and consistently question any labels or limitations or anything anybody's putting on you or that you're putting on yourself that you don't understand, maybe even if it's like subconsciously, but that's where it takes the work. I mean, you know, like I go to therapy, you know, mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, being explorative, yes. you know, as artists, we, you know, we, we can take it all sorts of places, but doing that and staying grounded too, I think is very important. You don't want to be, um, I think so beyond, you know, I I guess people maybe call it like airy or or out there, um, you know, that you lose the ability to be sober, that you lose Mm -hmm. the ability to be present and to be grounded. Um, Mm -hmm. And I definitely, because I've been on like kind of a a wild ride and this space can be pretty chaotic, you know, bringing myself back and staying centered um, and figuring out, how that's going to be when I'm the different person that I am, because Mm -hmm. with you changing and evolving what you do and what you need to take care of yourself and what you need to do to tend to yourself also needs to change too. So nothing is static for me. Everything is very um, transformative and I think interchangeable. And I think that again is very healthy. It doesn't mean that everything is perfect. doesn't Uh mean it's supposed to be perfect. It's Mm -hmm. not perfect. And, you know, reflecting back over these years and, you know, all of these journeys that I've been fortunate to be into and to survive because Mm -hmm. I think we're all, wherever you are in your life, you're very, you're, I mean, you could not be there. You maybe would not be there in your life, wherever you're at right now. And I think, again, it's the possibility and the potential to try again. And, you know, those, those failures that we all have and that we keep on having, I love, I love the idea of getting back up. And if I learned anything from my competitive years, Mm -hmm. it's literally just always about getting back up and trying again, because you can be imperfect like a million times a day. Mm -hmm. Um, And throughout that, you have to pick yourself back up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you don't know what it's going to look like. You might be crying, you might be angry, you might be happy. You know, you might be you might be peaceful, you might be compassionate, you might be depressed, but getting back up and trying again and giving yourself the next opportunity, like really give yourself second chances because other people won't. But you yeah. can give those second chances to yourself. Ooh, I love you see you already did it. You 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 just answered my next question. I was about to be like, "What look cuz you've been dro- dropping nuggets this whole time, so thank you." But I was going to be like, "What's your little nugget of wisdom? You just said it. You just said it. Give yourself a second chance because other people won't." Mhm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Ayana, for this <laughs> yeah. for this time and space. <laughs> you are Thank so you. very welcome. You are so, so, <laughs> so very welcome. Thank you. Thank you for sharing and opening up. Thank you for sharing this space with me. Thank you. Thank you. So before I let you go, though, <laughs> tell people where they can find you out here on these internet streets. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Diana. I'm just, again, really grateful and honored. And listeners, thank you. You can find me at Shanae Stiletto. That is S H E N E A S T I E L E T T O. On literally all platforms, you can also find me at Live Like an Acrobat, uh, Live Like an Acrobat podcast, which is available on all platforms. You can find me on circustalk.com. If you are adventurous or if you're in the performing arts space, you can subscribe and become a member so you can hear my Think Like an Acrobat series. Um, but I also, too, release little snippets of that um, for the public as well um, to learn like little gems. Um, but I highly recommend um, that you subscribe to a space because I try and um, give as many 
as many open workshops as I, I can um, mm-hmm. on every single topic that you can imagine of what it takes to be a circuspreneur, what it takes to just be an entrepreneur, an artist, a performing artist, um, from business to artistic to mental health. So exploring all those things, please find me at either Sinead Stiletto, Live Like an Acrobat, or Think Like an Acrobat. Yay. Thank you for sharing. Don't worry. All of that will go in the show notes, y'all. Do not worry. You just I'll make it easy. You could just click and connect. Um, <laughs> and uh, before I let you go, Shanae, I must say to you that I acknowledge you. I celebrate you and I uplift you. Thank you so much. I'm... You're, welcome. <laughs> You're so welcome. <laughs> I'm so honored. I just adore you. I love your work. I love your podcast. You have amazing guests. You're amazing. You're inspiring me. You're motivating me to continue to podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Because my oh my, like it's a journey podcasting and being a podcaster and you are amazing. And (laughs) I love the network that you've built up and the community that you have. And thank you for being you and for like starting again, because each time you don't have to, (laughs) Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you don't have to, but you're doing it. And it's, you know, it's, um, I, I'm really appreciative of you for, you know, maintaining your spirit and maintaining your liveliness and, you know, your, your motivation. And so thank you for inspiring us to be better, to do better, to think better and uh, to feel better. So thank you so much. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. I hope you have been informed and inspired by this week's episode. Make sure to hit the subscribe button to be notified when new episodes are out. To stay up to date and in the know about merchandise, exclusive content, and how to support the show, please subscribe to the newsletter at ayanabay.com slash podcast. That's A-Y-A-N-A-B-E-Y dot com slash podcast. And there's a link in the show notes. This show's executive producer is Ayana Major Bay and editor is Kieran Niemant. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll speak to you soon.